Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. City, I'm going to be reading from Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with that, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he was given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but, I will, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said those things, as they were looking on, he he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come and... Uh, I was chatting with Jess, my wife, last uh, yesterday, and uh, I made the observation, I don't know what prompted it, but that uh, I think I had a a terrible misconception of, of myself. For much of my life, I thought I was patient. And, uh, yeah... I know, right? And uh, or at least good at waiting. And I asked her, I was like, was I? Was it just delusional? Like, have you? I thought kids were re- like what revealed it. And I was like, did you see this before? And she's like, you don't want me to answer that question. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I just it's like I, I'm a terrible waiter for all kinds of reasons. But um, lately, uh, and more recently in my life, I think I'm just bad at it because uh, I have a cell phone <laughs> and. Uh, and on my phone, I have a Kindle app, which means in my pocket, I can take any book I want to read anywhere I, I go, which means uh, I, I really, I, on the, maybe I'm good at waiting. I can wait anywhere and uh, be, be totally oblivious to my surroundings, right? Either the Libby app from the library or, uh, you know, uh, a Kindle app on my phone. And I can be in Middle Earth, like, immediately. And uh, it doesn't matter what, what's ha- happening around me. Previously in my life, uh, previously in my life, at least, you know, the awkwardness of walking around the department store with like an open book prevented me from doing it in places where probably I, sh- I shouldn't, right? But now, like, no, I'm just on my phone, right? I'm scrolling Instagram like everyone else, right? And, uh, uh, you know, I just, so in that sense, like, when I say I'm, I'm bad at, at waiting, my kids point this out to me all the time. I'm like, I'm reading a book. I'm growing my mind. doesn't matter. You're distracted from being present with us is their accusation to me in that moment. And maybe you're like, you know, um, reading's not my thing. I don't struggle with that. Maybe it's, uh, podcasts. You got any podcast listeners in the room? Right? Yeah. I'm, 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 I listen to some of those too. Uh, when a reading doesn't help me escape from my surroundings, I'll put in my earbuds because then it's an extra layer of separation from the people around me, but um, namely my children, but that's okay. Uh <laughs> Right, I, 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 I just discovered, right, like if you're a podcast listener, did you know this, like depending on your podcast app, there's a, there's a trend the silence feature? Did anybody, I was just reading someone describe this. 
Do you guys know that's a thing? You, there, there are grades, like levels. You could do like a mild, medium, or mad max, and it will trim out all the silence, which, which the author says is, you know, great, I guess, but that means there's no pauses, there's no breaks for a period or a comma in a sentence. It's just a continuous stream of words that just go on with no break. Like, I, I was like, wow, man, talk about like, the need for efficiency in listening to my, my, my podcast. Occasionally, I'll play with my, my children when I'm reading, and I'll try to read that way. And they're like, Dad, stop. And, or, but the, the, the move, the suggestion I want to make is that there's this, uh, in some sense, uh, part of me that's uncomfortable with waiting, with the sort of space where nothing is happening. The author that was talking about uh, podcasts, he went on to say, you know, it's easier to sort of fill his mind with someone else's words than have to like sit with his own at times. That that space of waiting, uh, you know, it's easier to feel fill with, with, with preoccupation, in my case, reading at times. That's not saying, I, look, those things are great and I'll continue to do them just to be clear. Um, if I'm reading, when you walk up to me, please forgive me. Um, um, I might talk to you, but I might be like, no, I'm, I'm chatting with Elrond, and you can wait a moment, all right? So I want you to hold sort of that kind of experience alongside the reading of Acts chapter 1 that we read, uh, that Aaron read for us this morning. So we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to read all the stories in Acts. It's a long book. It's an exciting book if you've never read it. Again, just to broadly situate it for the uh, earlier bits of this year, we've been in Genesis, the very beginning stories. Uh, Acts takes us all the way through the other side of Easter, and we'll give a bit of context here, but this is the story of like this first communities being formed around what Jesus had done. And we, we won't read all of them. Uh, we'll hit s some of them uh, over these next weeks. We'll invite you to read the book uh, with us. But I just, uh, as we step into it, I'll just tell you, like, as the pastor here, sort of, it's the summertime, just thinking and praying about our community and what it means to be Park City, a church that's a part of the church, and, uh, you know, just what, what that looks like for us. I've been coming back to this place and thought it, it maybe it's worth us talking about uh, together. So it's a story, as Aaron read for us, that, that is a continuation of the resurrection of Jesus. Right? There are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke wrote his account. He was a physician, and he recorded uh, his account of, of the story of the life, the good news of Jesus. But he continued that in a second volume that we call Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. So it's, I want us to hear it. It's a, it's a continuation of the story of the resurrection of Jesus that follows it, takes it forward another 30 years or so uh, after the events of the Gospels. And, and, and in some sense, you could, we heard it read, right? The, in, as Aaron read for us, there's this promise. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and you'll be my witnesses. And then he names these geographical places. As you follow the story over these 30 years, you can almost follow it along the road geographically. It'll go from Judea around Jerusalem through Antioch and then ultimately to Rome. It's, 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 it's a movement that will ex expand geographically, but also culturally there'll be a move in the story of Acts where the good news of the resurrection of Jesus begins to spill out into to various, not just geographical places, but cultural ones. And ultimately, like the book will end, it'll culminate, it'll, be, it'll make it to the heart of the empire. 
And, and along the way, so as we hold that sort of larger story, along the way, one other piece I'd, I'd ask you to hold is, is the feeling in the book, and it'll be explicit later on. He'll say something like, everywhere this, this movement was spoken against. That there's a sense in which the context in which all of this is happening and what Luke is writing about and continuing to tell this story is happening in a context in which it's, it's looked upon with derision or viewed as sort of suspicious. Uh, you, scholars have pointed to the writings of, of um, uh, sort of uh, outside of Scripture, like from the time. Uh, one, the, the Roman leader Tacitus described it as, as described the sort of criminal nature of the Christian movement, this upstart movement whose founder, right, so from his perspective, whose founder was condemned to death by the Roman government uh, for being guilty of sedition, right? He, he, it was a charge of treason against sort of the established rule. And so the, the movement is viewed um, with, with some suspicion along. So there's a sense in which as Luke tells the story of these communities of people that are being formed and planted and, and grown, uh, like it happens within this larger uh, context. And just a couple of things to kind of hold in mind. But I, I want to suggest, I think sometimes when we read uh, the, the book of Acts, I think a lot of times this is how we approach it. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I just want to briefly nod to like how we typically read it, and which is fine. I want to suggest maybe a, uh, just a nuanced way to hear it. I think a lot of times we start at Acts 2. I want to invite us to, as we heard this morning, hear Acts 1. And then just think about the implications of that for your faith and mine and us as a community. And the way I think we hear it is, is we, we read a book like this. If you read it, you'll see it. A lot of times, man, it is, we, we think it's a story about sort of the human effort for God. Look at what all these people are doing for Jesus. I and mean, we get heroes like Peter who stands up at the day of Pentecost and preaches and thousands of people are added to the church. We get the story of Paul and his sort of supernatural transformation from murderer of, of Christians to now like he's taking that same message into new places. It's heroic. We, we read beautiful stories in Acts 2 and Acts 4 of what true Christian community looks like breaking bread, sharing everything together, no one in need, these beautiful, idyllic, iconic images and pictures of what these communities look like. If we could just be like that, right, and we ache for a return to sort of these truer pictures of Christian community. And I think a lot of times we hear all of that as like, uh, these are things we can do. This is a story of how uh, of how we uh, can do for God, what humanity can do, our efforts to and for God. But I think to do that, and again, I, I just um, it's been helpful for me as I've reflected and read this week, to sort of step back into Acts 1 as we've heard it read this morning, that there's a command in Acts 1 that shades and shapes everything else that follows, and it's not an exciting one. I'll just be blunt with you. It's, it's very simply, wait. It's the command to the disciples to wait. And let's be honest, nobody likes waiting. I don't know what your, what were some of your answers to that? Like the DMV or the grocery line or traffic or 
you know, my wife would have said when my husband says he's ready to go and we're all at the car and he's still like looking for the keys because he's not really ready to go. That's probably her least favorite, one of her least favorite moments of waiting. I, I don't know. It's not, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a glamorous word. We don't get a lot of like awesome stories from that sort of feeling. And yet it's the first word in everything that follows in Acts. God tells his disciples, wait, just wait, wait. What we want him to say is here's a strategic plan for how to grow and build. A, this is what I wanted to say as a pastor, a successful church, right? Go get it, right? Here's your strategy. Here's your vision. Here's your mission. Do it, right? Do it. I'm Shia LaBeouf. Who, uh, somebody sent me there. He's like, just do it. Have you guys seen the, uh, I don't know, inspiration? He goes, like, what's happening? All right. I'll come back. Come back. Uh, uh, so, so, but I think that's how we want to read it. That's how we hear it. It's, it's incredible. And we want to be a part of that. What do we do for God here? But, but I want to suggest that we back up just a little bit and hear Acts 1 and, and, and consider the possibility that Acts, like all the other stories we've read, been reading in Genesis, is really a story about God's effort for people more than it is about people's effort for God. That it's, it's a story about the truth that God is at work in the world. And he will take the work and power and message of Jesus through his spirit into the world. It's a, it's a story about his acts for the world he created and the people he cares about. It's a story about God's action first before it's anything else. Again, we want to read it. I want to read it as a blueprint. You know, here are the things to do. But this morning for myself, I just want to pump the brakes on that and pause for a moment and hear the invitation of Acts 1, to wait, wait. It's interesting, if you just think about the opening verses, right, just the opening verses, I mean, the, who is the central figure that Aaron read for us? Who's, who's center stage? Who is this story about? What we find in the, in the opening is it's all about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work. Jesus acts, he, he teaches, he presents himself alive to the disciples, he appears, he speaks and teaches about the kingdom of God. God raises Jesus to heaven, he gives instructions through his Holy Spirit, uh, promises that he will send his spirit to work and be present to them. It's, it's all about God, his activity for his kingdom in the world. It's, it's a moment, right? We, we, we see it in the opening verses. God is acting in Jesus, and it's resonant. It's, it's thick uh, with meaning. Uh, just a couple of thoughts, right? The, the imagery of the cloud, that it says a cloud took him, uh, a cloud sort of took him in. And there are echoes in this moment of moments earlier in Luke's gospel. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and John takes them up, and there's a moment where they see his glory. He's like talking with Moses and, and Elijah, and he's there in this moment, and a cloud uh, is present, sort of this Old Testament image of the presence of God. You're in the presence of the divine. Jesus will use the language when he talks about coming again. The clouds, there's this imagery of, of this picture of divine presence, and it's all over these first pages, first sentences of Acts. Interestingly as well, another moment of, of sort of where you feel the reverberation is that this is a story about God and the resurrection of Jesus before it's anything else. It's in the, that moment where they're looking into the clouds and they see the two men in white and we're immediately taken back to the tomb. 
the women there in Luke's gospel, seeking, looking, not sure what to think, and greeted by two uh, men in white. And in each case, asked a question, right? Like, what, why are you looking here for Jesus? Why are you looking here? We hear that echo again in Acts, which brings me to the disciples in the bit we read. And this is, this is, this is my favorite, not my favorite, but, you know, I, they just make me feel good uh, about myself here because they, they're just clueless, right? They're like, they're looking into the clouds, which, I don't know, it's trippy, right? Like whatever their experience with Jesus had been uh, remarkable. We're told they're looking into the clouds and, and you can feel it. They're like, what, 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 well, what now, right? Like who hasn't felt that kind of question? I mean, they're literally wondering what. They're like, what, what exactly are we waiting for? What is happening? You can hear it. They say, maybe it's the, is, oh, oh, this is the moment when Israel will be vindicated, right? Are they still sort of living in a, a story? They, they think it's going to look one way. Jesus is going to come back and, you know, the cross was kind of weird, but maybe now Israel will be vindicated, they're wondering what? They're wondering, you know, like, uh, when? Was oh, this the moment? When, when, is, this, is this it? Let's try to make sense of what's going on in life. When? Is this the moment, God, when you do this thing that we expect? And then even the direction of their look. Where? Right? The, the angels are like, why, why are you looking up here? You, you can go and wait differently. He will come back. We're given these promises here, promises of God's presence with them in the Holy Spirit and of the return of Jesus here. And then what follows is sort of how they live in that space, that anticipation of, of promise, how they wait uh, for these things to find um, expression and reality in, in their life. Again, we have to expect them to run off and like, all right, sweet. Just like Peter did at the Mount of Transfiguration. Let us build you a tabernacle. We'll like, we got this. We'll, we'll capture all of this glory here. We'll build it, you know. Uh, you, you have to expect that to happen here, right? Okay, great. We can take this mission into the world. This is our strategy. Are you guys ready? Here we go. But instead, you can feel them like, as we'll see next week. You know, they, they go back to wait and pray, and they do it. I guess the only thing they know to do, they're like, well, uh, what do we do about Judas, Right? <laughs> you know, they the, the just, what, what are they going to do? They're invited with a singular command from Jesus to wait, to, to, to wait, to remember in that waiting that God is at work. He is the one who acts. Everything that follows will be rooted in what he has already done in Jesus and what he will continue through his Holy Spirit. We, they as disciples, were invited to, to wait, to look for to bear witness, to, to wait so that they could see where God would work, which I think changes the way we re respond to the story and what follows. What does it look like for you and for me to step into this story? Right, I, th I think it does a couple of things, but I think we're invited into what the disciples and the people of God have been invited into over and over and over and over again throughout the stories as we've read them. It's to wait and look for God, to, 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 to wait, to confess, God, you're at work in the world. Help me to see it. And that's what will happen in the pages. We'll see waiting played out on the pages of Acts as it continues. But this morning, I, I wonder where you are in relation to that invitation.
right? What does, what does this singular command that we hear from Jesus, the command that is the beginning of the church, stay where you are to Jerusalem. Don't leave from there and wait. Wait for the promise, the activity, the work of my Father. What's it sound like in your life to hear the invitation of God? Wait, my spirit's at work in your life. I know you can't see it. I know you don't even know where to look. I know your head is in the clouds. I know you're just trying to do the best you can. What do you do with Judas, right? Like, I, I know you're just trying to figure all that out. Wait, wait and look for where my spirit is at work. Maybe, maybe you've heard this call before in your life. Maybe sometimes it sounded more like waiting means cleaning yourself up so that God can then. That's not the case here. Maybe you've heard various versions of this announcement, but, but the invitation to you and to me this morning, even when our response is like the disciples, I don't even know where to look, is to rest in the gracious invitation of God to you that he is at work in the world and he's at work in your life. Wait, look, bear witness, wait with the disciples. Uh, I, I think Acts, as it continues, in, in one sense it's a book where people just don't know where to look. Stuff just happens, and then you're like, oh, here we are, right? Like God will show up to an Ethiopian, and Philip's like, just, you know, there. And, and it's this miraculous, it wasn't, he didn't strategically planned. Saul will be interrupted and forced into waiting before God will move in his life to take the message to, to all sorts of uh, cultures and places and cities. Peter, you know, will, it'll be sleeping, you know, in a dream. It'll be a moment of waiting where God will move him to sort of consider that this message reaches further than he thinks. It'll be all over the pages. Folks just waiting, but God working. And I don't know where you are in relation to those two things this morning, but I hope you'll hear it as a bit of grace, right? That, that in one sense, what it does for you and me is sort of take the pressure off and root this story and your story in something other than your own sort of anxious effort. God is at work. That is the story of Acts. He has worked in Jesus and will continue to work. And it will be a rollicking ride. I mean, raucous. It will be, uh, it'll be bizarre and beautiful and it'll grow and explosive and hard and challenging. It'll be all those things in the rest of the book. But rooted here at the beginning is the promise to wait and attentively look for Jesus. Wait for the promise of the Father. God with you, my Holy Spirit with you. It's a, it's a gift. It, 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 it's a gift. It's not a work you manufacture. It's a, it's a gift. I, 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 pastorally, as I've sat with this passage, I, um, I got to be honest with you. I've just, I, I don't know where I want to land this morning. I have some sense of where I want to land, and I've done the writing, and I'll say the things I wrote, but uh, just, I, I, I think, I just want to acknowledge that all of us are in a different place in relationship to our faith, and as a church, right, like, you know, we're a church plant, 
We had beautiful stories of baptism last week. I mean, it was like standing room only in here. Uh, all beautiful things. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to meet with kids workers after service. Like, oh, how do we take care of families and kids? And all the things we, we think about. And it just occurred to me. I'm like, oh, I'll just be candid with you. And my insecurities as a human, uh, I just am like, are we doing the right thing? Am I doing it well? What, what, what does it mean to be a church and be a good church and a healthy church and a church that grows and in health and in life, not just in numbers, like people finding life. And it occurs to me, I'm just like, oh, have I heard the invitation and responded to wait? Have, have I, as your pastor, been looking for the places that God is already working in our community? Have you? I guess what I'm saying is I want to invite you into that with me, at least over the summer, is a, a posture of, of waiting. What are the things you're paying attention to? Where is God at work in your life? Where is he at work in the person sitting next to you's life? Where do you see desperation for God to do something in our community or in your life? I don't know. Maybe your head is in the clouds like the disciples. Maybe you're at a dead end. You don't really know what to do next like the disciples. Maybe you're just doing what you know. Maybe you're disillusioned. The plan you thought was the plan doesn't seem to be the plan. In the midst of all of that, I wonder, can we hear together the invitation to maybe take the earbuds out but trying to trend the silence, if you will, to take us back to the podcast experience and listen instead for that first word, that first command from Jesus to his disciples to wait and look for the places God is at work. To wait, to look, to listen for the places of pain in our community where God is longing to work to listen for the places of joy in our church where God is working like baptisms last week, to listen to the children in our community whom Jesus says the kingdom is theirs. This is where it lives. What, what, where do we hear God at work in the relationships in our community that are broken, that are good, that are healthy, that are distant, in all of those places, God, where, rather than trying to sort of step into or fix, or God, where am I listening to hear you at work there? in the heartaches and anticipations in this room this morning that you carry alone. What, what, what is it like for us as a community to listen with you and alongside you for the promise that God is at work? He is at work. In the answers and the questions that you bring into this room, that people in our community bring into this community, what is it like to, to just, before we try to answer or fix or to just stop Wait and ask God, where are you at work? You promised to send your presence, the Holy Spirit, to take the good news of Jesus into the brokenness of this situation. Where are you here? I'll tell you my first reaction to any of those things, even in relationship with you at times, is not always to wait, to prayerfully wait. A lot of times I worry. A lot of times I lean into my insecurities. I'm like, oh, I don't know if we can help. 
Sometimes I get angry and frustrated. Sometimes I just distract with a good book, like Lord of the Rings, right? And in all of this, we're, we're invited to just pause on all of that effort, hear the invitation of Jesus to wait, receive the promise that he is at work. He is with us. This is his world and his church. I'll leave you with this image for good or ill. You guys know Horton Hears a Who? Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? Right? And the, the was it the little flower with the like small little what creatures? I don't know. And the elephant? Dr. Seuss, right? It's an elephant, right? The elephant's name is Horton, right? And it keeps hearing like whatever civilization lives on that dandelion. I don't know. Do you remember some of you remember they're like what did, what, what did they say? We are here, we are here, we are here, right? It's just like this, we are here, we are here. And he keeps thinking, he hears that, we are here, we are here. I read Acts, and, uh, I, and I'm like, man, I don't know about you, but I think that's how we move through the world. God, where are you? We are here, we are here, we are here. Look at this mess I've made of my life. We are here, we are here, we are here. Look at the people I care about and, and what I ache for for them. We are here, we are here. It's just, it's the, it's the cry of my life. And Acts, uh, Acts pulls us into a different story where we wait and listen. And God says to you, I am here. I am here. And there is no clearer picture of that than Jesus on the cross in this moment as we'll sing in just a moment where he says, I know you can't come to me, but I will come to you. Even in the pain and brokenness of your life, I am here. And this is the hopeful promise that will shape the rest of the story of Acts. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.